In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The 103.3 on the radio has been, been playing Christmas music for a week now, and stores have all their Christmas decorations up. Every good Episcopal preacher would remind their congregation that it is not Christmas yet. At least not in the liturgical church world. It is the start of Advent, a period of time in which we are to wait for what is to come. The challenge is to look through all of the secular world's preparations for Christmas to discover what we might truly be waiting for. Many of us are waiting for that Talladega Nights, eight pounds, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, doesn't even know a word yet, just a little infant so cuddly but still omnipotent. Some of us are waiting for Santa Claus and searching for an elf on a shelf in our home every day. Few of us are looking for the second coming of Christ. But that is exactly what the season of Advent is preparing us for. Not just Christ coming the first time around, but the coming again. The second coming that we have been waiting for for 2,000 years. This morning, we don't hear about the sweet baby Jesus. We hear from an intense adult Jesus who is filled with warning about a world filled with chaos. A world turned upside down. A world that has been shut down and is now reawakening. We may have made the transition from Thanksgiving to a desire for Christmas to get on already, but the kind of preparation we are about to embark on does not know Target or is fulfilled by Amazon. A sweet baby Jesus lying in a manger may elicit our oohs and ahs this year, yet never in our time have we known such an apocalyptic version of the world. Our world feels much more like what we find in the reading from Luke than the holly jolly music we hear on the radio. In the last 18 months, we have known chaos and the unexpectedness of not knowing what is to come next. We have experienced the earth's distress and felt the fear and foreboding come upon the world. The pandemic, economic instability, food insecurity, national, natural disaster, political upheaval, has come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. We have begun to feel as if we live in apocalyptic times, and we are not necessarily wrong. But these apocalyptic times don't have to be fear-inducing if we approach them from a faith perspective. Advent is a time in which we are called to enter in and engage with what it means to be apocalyptic Christians. Whereas much of the church has done an effective job in teaching apocalyptic times as chaotic and confusing, defined by fear and judgment-oriented, I am not sure that is true or even a spiritually healthy portrayal of the message of Jesus Christ. Granted, the lesson from Luke we read today is filled with darkness and distress, but it can also be understood as a hope-filled glance of light that God draws us to in the midst of the insecurities and distractions of the world. Instead of the picture that the authors of the Left Behind series have drawn for us, we might do better to visualize Van Gogh's The Starry Night as a more powerful image to understand Advent. While in a mental hospital in Saint-Rémy, Van Gogh captured the mood of his internal turmoil and the night sky painted beyond the bars of his asylum window. The painting is more than a reflection of his own chaos. 
It is a cosmic interpretation of the signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on earth, distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. It is the fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of heaven will be shaken. It is the passing away of heaven and earth, and knowing that even if only chaos and darkness remains, God's word will not pass away. It is an apocalyptic sky filled with blue, bold colors and swirling strokes and yellow and white on deep, dark blue and black. The sky in the painting is filled with the stars and the moon and the wind. And in his post-impressionist style, Van Gogh connects the smallness of the earth with the vastness of the heavens. There is a line of hills along the bottom portion of the painting that serve as the background of a village with its church and tall steeple reaching toward the heavens at the center of the painting. The church is made to appear even smaller in its setting by a cypress tree painted in the forefront as if it were flames reaching toward the heavens, its death-like presence dwarfing the church and the village behind it. The darkness of the cypress tree is offset by the brightness of the moon, and yet it is the twisting, spiraling lines dramatizing the vastness of space that engages the eye. People react in different ways to this famous painting by Van Gogh, who thought it to be a failure. For some, it expresses the deep sense of loneliness, solitude, and uncertainty many of us have felt in these last many months. Others see a daunting image with a frightening sky. And still others find something bold and beautiful, a luminosity that brightens the world even in the midst of its despair. The painting anchors itself to the hope of the church, a powerful and somewhat surprising image for a man who has recently cut off his ear and will soon commit suicide. Van Gogh seems to express that which Jesus warns us about, be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. Van Gogh's art is beautiful, and yet his soul suffocates under the weight of his depression and dissipation. It is not that Van Gogh understood the apocalypse of the Starry Night as one of destruction. I think it was more that seeing the world through the iron-barred walls of his asylum window, he could not help but feel an unworthiness, a deep sense of humbleness that causes one to wonder, what am I if heaven and earth can pass away, and yet God's word will not pass away? Some of us in the pitch-black darkness of the night can lift up our arms in the light of the moon and the stars and declare the universe a magical place. And others of us, in the light of that same moon, in the dark of that same night, would reach our arms up in wonder and awe and say, Dear God, whose name I do not know, thank you for my life. I forgot how big. Thank you. And yet, on an apocalyptic night, and the stars are falling, and the constellations are bright, and the sky moves and swirls, 
We are not called to fear. We are called to prepare our hope. We are called to stand up and raise our heads because our redemption is drawing near. The season of Advent is apocalyptic. And though many of our readings may use fear-laden language and our church culture has corrupted our understanding of Jesus' second coming, it is in hopeful anticipation that we prepare our hearts for Christ to enter in again. We do this by becoming alert, waking up to the world, looking for and taking notice of God's kingdom breaking forth in all the places that it can and that it will regardless of the confinement of our hearts and the bars that we must see through to see the world. There is a vastness to God's glory in this world that existed long before an eight-pound, six-ounce baby was born in Bethlehem. We prepare for the celebration of that birth, even as we prepare for the advent of Christ who will come again. If anything, the chaos and confusion of this world is only a reminder that the kingdom of God is near. Amen.